Tigers, tigers burning bright, on hallowed turf a glorious sight. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? Hello, and welcome back to our new show, Tiger Pop, with me, Paul Wright. And, and me, Eddie Wright. This week, as you know, we have no match to preview as the Tigers played last night at Fleetwood. However, that's the second game in a week, and we will look at the other games that we've played in the last week and Hull City's display. So, first, we're going to review Hull City versus Plymouth. Uh, last week at Ply- against Plymouth, we won 1 0. And it was a good display. I felt all the players had a good game and there was nobody particularly that you could say didn't put a shift in. Uh, Plymouth, though, had chances in the second half and I think this was due to the fact that we didn't kill the game off in the first half when we had numerous chances and we needed to score that second and maybe a third goal, which we had enough chances to do. But we seemed to always overthink it and take the next pass or the shot at when we should pass. It just seemed as though we don't kill the game off quickly enough. And it could have cost us two points. Gladly it didn't. But it's a thing we have to work on, I think, taking our chances and making sure that we kill these games off when we're on top. Because I think for the first half hour, we was all over Plymouth. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, Adelican got the goal against Plymouth. It was a good goal. And I think every player played well against Plymouth. There was uh, there was nobody really that didn't put a good shift in at Plymouth. So it was a good game. Uh, as you say, we should have definitely killed it off early. We had enough chance in the first half to kill the game off. And then we end up at the end of the game hanging on a little bit just because we, we didn't kill the game off. Yeah, I agree. We were hanging on. It's... Uh... It's happened a couple of times, I think, you know, with, with, with late on goals, you know, we scored, I think it was the 80 odd minutes against Gillingham, and they was pressing. I mean, obviously, they didn't have many chances, but it seems to be an Achilles heel of City at the moment that when they're on top and creating chances, which we've created chances in all the games, we don't seem to take them, or we take that extra pass, or we shoot when we should pass. It's just something I think that Grant McCann and the players need to work on because otherwise there'll be games down the line when we're 1-0 up and we end up drawing and maybe even losing because we've just not taken our chances when we should. Yeah, I mean, we have got goal scorers in the team. They are some natural goal scorers in the team. I don't think the centre-forwards are scoring enough. I watched Josh McGuinness, though, against Plymouth and I thought he had a really good game in, in the defensive line. At the end of the game, he was winning headers and things like that. And I think, you know... If we if we lose him out the team like we did last night, that sometimes comes to show. But he needs to do more up front as well, and he needs to be scoring more goals. Yeah, I agree. He's not a prolific goal scorer. I mean, Keane Lewis Potter looks our likeliest person to score. He's got an eye for goal. Obviously, we, we probably have missed Malik Wilts a bit, but uh, we just need the centre forward to score a few more goals, take a few more chances. Yeah, it takes the pressure off the team, I think, if that happens. And, you know, pressure off the team is a big thing. Uh, pressure off your defence, big thing, you know. You can see last night we had a bit of pressure on the defence and it came to show, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, well, we did, yeah. The defence hasn't been playing badly up to last night, as you said. But I think it's obviously, it's been from the forward land, they've been defending well and pressing on the, the other team most most games. 
uh, and it, it starts at the forward and obviously the midfield have been playing well I think Honeyman's probably still been our player of the year uh, and it's it's just we need to score more goals you know it's just the thing that we're not taking our chances when they come and I think it is going to be our Achilles deal unless we can sort it out yeah I totally agree with you uh, so that's a bit about the Plymouth game we'll maybe talk a bit more about the Plymouth game in a little while we're going to play some music now uh, what song we're going to play well, I'd like Heroes by David Bowie. David Bowie and Heroes, that's coming up now.
That was David Bowie and Heroes on Tiger Pop with me, Paul Wright. And me, Eddie Wright, on Westall FM 106.9 on your FM dial. Don't forget you can get us on Alexa by saying Alexa Play Westall FM 106.9. You can also listen on westallfm.org online. So you can lots of ways to listen to us this, uh, this afternoon. Yeah, that's good. So we're going to talk about the Fleetwood game last night. Uh, wasn't our best display of the season. However, saying that... I don't know if the system quite works, because with 4-3-3, I think we've got to have the three forwards pressing their defenders. And I seem to think last night we wasn't pressing as well as we could have been. Whether that that's because we didn't have Josh McGuinness and he does a lot of pressing, or with the change of tactics we're playing against Fleetwood, but I certainly don't think we was doing the pressing that we was doing in the previous week against Plymouth. We seem to be off the gas quite a lot. And even though we got 1-1 at half-time, Fleetwood is certainly the better team in the first half. And we didn't create that many chances. We had one disallowed for offside from Keen Lewis Potter, which on Martelly I couldn't really see if it was offside or not. They didn't really show you down the line. It, it wasn't given, so it doesn't really matter. And with VAR, I think it probably would have cost us a penalty in the second half because I'm sure Malik Wilkes had a too much hold of the, the the Fleetwood player, so we probably would have had a penalty against us. So one balanced out the other. But saying that, we didn't play particularly well yesterday. I don't think it was our best display of the season. I do think, though, Dad, if the uh, King Lewis Potter goal is given, it would make a difference because then we go 1-0 up. I think our big problem, now this problem comes in from last season, if they score first, I think we struggle a bit, and we struggled last season with that quite a lot. And the good thing this season is that nobody apart from Fleetwood has scored first, apart from maybe in the cup games, but let's not let's just talk about the league, really. You know, nobody has scored first against us, so we've took the lead in every game, and I think that's maybe we lose a bit of confidence there or something. There's definitely something there, so I'd have liked to have seen the Keane Lewis Potter goal given because I think it had a bit of a different game. Yeah, well, obviously, goals change games, as we found out in the second half. A sloppy pass from George Honeyman's led them into a second goal. And from that point, they've probably got stronger, and we've been chasing the game. So goals do change games, and obviously, if that King Lewis Potter goal is given, and not given as offside, it probably would have changed the game. They would have had to have come out a bit more. It might have given us a bit more confidence. But saying that... You know, I don't think our display last night was as good as it was against Plymouth. We didn't seem to be as proactive. We didn't seem to be pushing on to them. And we didn't seem to create as many chances as we did against Plymouth. Yeah, I don't know whether he told them to hang back a bit. I, I get your point about the pressing of the defence. There weren't enough pressing of the defence. And, you know, I, I was a bit... I'd seen Doherty the week before against Plymouth. And I thought Doherty was outstanding. I didn't really see Doherty a lot last night. It was like, you know, it didn't seem to be there for me, you know. And I don't know why that was. Was he playing him in a different role? Or had he asked him to do something different? It just wasn't there for me. No, no. To be fair, there was, seems to be a lot of spaces. I mean... Elder, he, he was hardly at his position, I don't think, half the time. I mean, the, the kid down that side had loads of time and loads of space. And the first goal come from a run down his side and there was nobody there. He, he must have run about 30 yards and then got into the area. Nobody seemed to challenge him. I was a bit disappointed with Ingram. I think he, you know, I think he will be disappointed with the first goal he let in. It, it wasn't a really hard shot. He did sort of get at his leg to it and a bit of hand, but he didn't do enough with that one. And he made a mistake later on, not that it cost us a goal, but he come out for a ball that he never got anywhere near. 
whether the fact that he you know let a couple of goals in knocked his confidence, I don't know. But it certainly you know he didn't play as well as he's been playing. No, it definitely didn't. I, I'm I'm uh, I'm not to- I'm not really a Callum Elder fan at the moment. I just think that we. I do think that although Brandon Fleming's young. I think that he's quicker than uh, than Elder, and I think that he can get back better than Elder, and I think his defensive qualities are better than Elder. Elder's problem is he gets if he goes forward, he's not quick enough to get get back, and he gets stuck up the field. And I don't know who was supposed to be covering him, whether it's Keane Lewis Potter or whether it is Doherty or whether it was Batty last night because Batty was running back with the guy who scored the first goal, wasn't he? And he couldn't get anywhere near him, and that's where where the first goal came from. Yeah, yeah, there was. There just it didn't seem to be any cohesion between the team last night. They didn't seem as team orientated as they had been other weeks. They just seemed to be all over the place. There was nobody in half the places. I mean, they had loads of space in the Fleetwood team, and we just didn't seem to be there. I don't know what's happened. You know, I don't know why it went so wrong. Whether it's just a bad day at the office, so to speak, or whether it's a, a sign of things to come, I don't know. Could be just that Fleetwood played well. I mean, Saunders, they've got Saunders who played well up front. He, he was a, a wonder kid. I don't think... I, I was out with uh, Mike in the pub last night and we had a chat about it. And I said, I don't think he'll be there in January, to be honest, if he keeps going the way that he's going. They've also got Whelan and they've got Evans. And them two, you know, battered us about a little bit, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this Saunders does look, does look a good fan. I mean, he scored three in midweek against Aston Villa under-21s, and obviously he scored two last night, and I think he made one of the goals. Whelan's got a lot of experience, and Shed Evans, he is a handful. I mean, he's experienced, he's, he's been there, he's been in the low leagues a long time, and he knows how to put himself about, caused a bit of problems at corners for Wilkes. I mean, they probably should have had a penalty, but... You know, got brought down by Wilkes. I think it was a penalty, but luckily we got away with it. But, you know, they had a, bit, a lot of experience. But saying that, if we'd have pressed them, they had a 20-year-old centre-half who was playing his second game. I think, you know, we didn't press them enough, and that was one of our problems. And the keeper, to be fair, he looked a bit dodgy with crosses and things like that. So I just don't think we did enough to put ourselves on the front foot against them. Said exactly the same in the pub, to be honest. Me and Mike said the same last night. We did say about the keeper, looked a little bit dodgy. We did say about the uh, young centre-half, and he was a bit inexperienced and things like that. And as you say, we didn't press enough. But the other thing we didn't do, what they obviously do, and I saw their, I can't remember the exact figures, to be honest. I should write these things down, shouldn't I? I don't know how many they've scored from set pieces, but it was a lot more than us. And we don't score enough from set pieces. They just seem to have a lot more. Every time they got a corner, he was worried. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, we did we did have a chance from a free kick with Jordi Davis. He should have scored from that. He put, I think he put it over the stand, let alone over the bar, and he was only three or four yards out. I mean, it was really poor. When you consider that Cody Connor goal against uh, Wales, what he took away, there's a bit of difference. I know he's a Premier player, but even at this level, he should be popping them in the goal. All right, it wouldn't have made any difference. It just made it 4-2. But I really think that we just had a really off day yesterday. I hope it's just one the one match that we've had the off day. Because if it's going to be when the other teams score that we can't come back and make a good game of it, it's going to be a long, hard season. Certainly could be a long, hard season. So the Grant McCann substitutions last night, what did you make of them? Well, I, I didn't understand it. I really didn't. I, as I say, I'm not a big lover of the four-three-three. I like four-four-two. I think two forwards up, maybe Wilkes and Keane Lewis Potter, and then play four in midfield. I still think that's the best way. 
it went four three three, and then for some reason he brings off a midfielder and puts on a winger, and I can't understand for the life of me why he does that. I know we're two one down, but it's only two one. You can score a goal in the ninetieth minute and get an equaliser. You don't have to panic and bring on a, another what you consider a forward and take off a midfielder. I just couldn't see it. I think, you know, that substitution to me wasn't brilliant. And then why at the end of the game, when the game's over, take off Malik Wilkes with about five minutes to go? It just didn't seem sensible to me. It just seemed a waste of a substitution. Well, speaking of Malik Wilkes, uh, we was wondering if he was totally fit last night because we didn't know whether he looked fully fit, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I was a bit dubious about whether he was fully fit. And with, with that, to me... I would have took him off earlier, to be honest. I would I would have definitely took him off earlier. He had options to put somebody in the middle. He could have put Keane Lewis-Potter in the middle, you know, which I would like to see him play Keane Lewis-Potter in the middle because I think he's our best chance of a goal, to be honest. Yeah, well, I, I can see where that's coming from. I'd prefer to play maybe McGuinness and Keane Lewis-Potter up front because I think, big and little, they tend to, you know, do well against teams. One flicks you on, he's got a bit of pace and he's got a bit of trickery, so he could get in there. I just think that the system is wrong myself. I've always thought it. Obviously, we've started pretty well this season, apart from last night, so you can't really argue with the system, but I still think 4-4-2 is your best system, and I don't think the 4-3-3 that we're playing really is good unless your three forwards are pressing their defenders. I don't see him changing it, though, Dad, do you? No, I don't think. It, I think it's his system he prefers, and I think it's obviously going to continue with it because it's the one he's went with all last season when was playing poorly, even and letting leaking goals for fun is still con- continued with four four three. 4-3-3 should I say and I just don't think it's the right system I don't think it suits the players and I think we, we need the extra one in midfield and I think that's where you know even though we've won the four games early on I still feel we could do with an extra one midfield Yeah I, I don't disagree with you can we say thanks to Sarah this morning for providing the tea and the coffee yeah, we can do. Nice cup of tea. Thank you very much, Sarah. Yeah, always nice to have a, a, a cup of tea with your uh, talk on the radio. <laughs> yeah, you still get dry. <laughs> You're right there. Anyway, speaking of getting dry, we, uh, we've we got a bit of a drier day today. It was a bit wet to start off with, but we're, uh, we're looking good now. Shall we play another song for them? Yeah, good idea. What song are we going to play now? Well, it's it a bit of tongue-in-cheek, but We Are The Champions by Queen, I thought of. We Are The Champions by Queen. Here we go. My dues time after time. I've done my sentence, but committed no crime and bad mistakes. I've made a few, I've had my shelves and kicked in my.
not be fame and fortune and everything that goes with it. I thank you all. But it's been no bed of roses, no pleasure cruise. I consider it a challenge before the whole human race. Listening to Tiger Pop on 106.9 Westall FM with me, Paul Wright. And yeah, me, Eddie Wright. And uh, we're talking about something new this week. We've got a new feature in the show. What's that then? It's about North Ferriby. As there's no local football for Hull City this weekend, we thought we'd have a little talk about North Ferriby and put them in the picture. So they've got a game today against Northwick's Victoria in the FA Vars second qualifying round. And it's a sold out game, would you believe? They've actually got a sold out game. For North Ferriby. They seem to be selling out quite a bit, don't they, just recently? Evidently so, yeah. They're, they're, obviously, I think they've got limited numbers, but they are selling out, possibly because Hull City aren't playing, that people who support Hull City, so, you know, pretty local to Hull City is North Ferriby, and they're going to watch them. They started pretty well in the league. They've won three, drawn one, lost one, and I think they're about fifth in the league. So, you know, they've had a good start to the season. I think this week they're playing Northwich Victoria, which are a bit higher grade, so it'll be a harder game for them. But you never know. It's the FA, FA Vars and it's the second qualifying round. Let's hope they can get through. Yeah, they have been to Wembley in that before, haven't they? They have been, yes. I think that, have they been twice, I believe? Yeah, I believe so. So, they, you know, they have uh, they have had the name up in lights a couple of times of North Ferriby. And for the SARS of North Ferriby, it's really good. Yeah, I mean, they did quite well in the National League and then for some reason it all fell apart. I, I don't know why, but it all fell apart and now they've gone in to, the, to a, a lot lower league, which they are doing quite well, so let's hope they can get out of that and get back to the higher echelon, what they was in before. Yeah, well, Les Hares took it back over this year as chairman, hasn't he? And I think he's, uh, he's running the club as well as what he, he did do before. I, I think it was last season, actually, he took it back over because I did go to the North Ferriby Sportsman's Dinner uh, to try and help to you know help them to raise some funds to keep the club going. Yeah, well, it's it's obviously a nice little local club, and they have done really well. I mean, they've they've probably bitten off a bit more than they can chew on certain occasions, but they have done really well. And it, funnily enough, actually, this this year's away shirt has been voted better than Liverpool's shirt. It's uh, it's it does look quite nice. It's a green shirt with like a orangey colour on the the neck and cuffs. But it is it has been voted a really good clay, shirt away shirt. Yeah, I like it that it's uh, it's sat here on the screen in front of me, and I do like it. 
I don't know whether I like it more than Whole Cities Away. I don't like it more than Whole Cities Away. I like Whole Cities Away shirt. One of the good things from last night, I think, was Whole Cities Away Away shirt. Seeing that on the team, what do you think? Yeah, well, I hadn't seen it up to last night, and it, it does look really good. Yeah, I must admit, I uh, I really did like the away shirts. It's uh, I think it's one of the better away shirts they've had in recent seasons. But uh, on vo- on the voting wise, I think you know North Ferriby's evidently got the better voting because they're better than Liverpool's away shirt, which uh, says something. They're both really nice nice shirts. I will definitely be getting the whole city away shirt. Will I get the North Ferriby away shirt? I don't know. I might, I might be tempted to be honest. Well, it is. It looks really nice, and uh, it might be th- something for the future to keep. Yeah, definitely so. Something for the future. So they're, they're playing Northwich Victoria in the FA Vars today. Uh, what do we think the chances are? Well, it's. I think it is an upgrade to all they have been playing, but I like what they've done before. North Ferriby seems to, you know, get through these games. So I, I could see them maybe winning, maybe two one or something like that. I think both teams will probably score. I'd like to think a two one win to North Ferriby. Well, I think that's a good thing, and uh, I'll say 2-1 as well then, because I'd like North Ferriby to get through to the next round, so let's hope they can do, and uh, and let's hope they can progress to the next round against Northwich Victoria today at the uh, Church Road ground in North Ferriby. Unfortunately, as, as we've said, you can't go because it's sold out. I think we should play a little bit of the village people seen as they're the villagers, don't you? Good idea, yeah. Let's play the YMCA.
That's the Village People and YMCA. We played that one because we were talking about the villagers in North Therabee uh, before that song. You're on Westall FM 106.9 with me, Eddie Wright. And me, Paul Wright. We're going to talk a little bit about England now and about England's friendly game with Wales. They played that uh, on the uh, on Thursday night and uh, they won 3-0. Yeah, it was a good display second half. I think first half, Wales probably had the better of it. We did score in the first half through Calvert-Lewin and was 1-0 at half-time. But I think second half, England got their act together and got the game together and totally dominated. And Jack Grealish obviously stood out. He is, he is a player that I think, you know, he has been compared to Gascoigne. And I think he is that sort of player. He takes people on, he makes things happen and he's always looking to go forward and get in the opponent's box and... Really, you know, he's, he's that type of player. I think, you know, you've got a view of him, haven't you? Yeah, I think he's an horrible player, to be quite honest with you. I don't think you'd like to play against him. And, yeah, he has got a little bit of Paul Gascoigne about him, but I think he's more horrible than Gascoigne. Gascoigne was one of those, like, likeable players, but Grealish, you wouldn't want to play against him. But you're happy to have him in your team, let me tell you that. Yeah, well, I agree with that. I'd like to see him, Mason Mount, and uh, Foden play together. I think that'd be a good midfield. Obviously, we'd need a holding midfield, but a midfielder in there. But them three, to me, would create a lot of chances. And I think Harvey Barnes is another one who you could stick in with them three as well. I think the the future for England is looking pretty bright. Obviously, it played a new team against Wales, and probably it showed in the first half. But second half, they got their act together, and they seemed you know quite a good team. And I think there is a lot of good futures in there. I think they could well do well. You know, maybe two to four years time they could have a really good strong team yeah I mean we, we've got some good youth players coming through in England and you mentioned a few of them there for Ford and sorry uh, you know Grealish has come into the team I don't know why it's took so long for Grealish to get into the England team to be honest I think probably because he's always played for Villa and Villa obviously was in the championship for a couple of seasons the level he was at there they probably weren't going to risk him for England but I think he is I think he is a, a premiership player I think there's a lot of the top six teams could look at him and he could fit in he's obviously got that little bit about him that could easily unlock a defence and make he makes things happen why should that make a difference in this day and age? What league you're playing in? It happened with Harry Maguire when he was playing for Hull City. He never got a look in at England. And then all of a sudden he gets a move and he's straight into the England team. It shouldn't make a difference what league you're in, should it? I don't think so. It's like forwards. I mean, the, these forwards who score in the Championship, they always say, can they do it in the Premiership? And the goals are still the same size. You know, the, the, if they've got an eye for goal, they've got an eye for goal. And I, I don't agree with it personally. I think if they're good enough, I think they should be put in. It's like they say about age, but I'm sure Messi and Pele, they was young when they started playing for their countries. And we seem to hold them back until, you know, they get to maybe early 20s. And I, I just don't understand why. No, definitely not. I mean, you look at Jamie Vardy, uh, Leicester player, he played in the non-league and then he's come up through the leagues and he's played for Leicester and he scores goals for fun for Leicester. England definitely didn't get enough out of Jamie Vardy. They didn't give him enough time and then by the time he's got to that stage, he said, well, I'm going to retire because I want to concentrate on my club football. Yeah, well, I think he was understudy to Kane and... I don't know, they said Kane started off as a midfield player and I think when you watch Harry Kane play, yes he has got an eye for goal and he's a good centre forward, however he does drop back a lot and I think they could have easily played Vardy alongside Kane and put Vardy up top and Kane a little bit behind him. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, when you watch Kane play for Spurs, he plays in that role, doesn't he? And he's, you know, a lot of the time it's Son who's playing off him and, you know, Son's getting the goals because Harry Kane's setting him up. 
Yeah, well, they, they seem to have got an understanding, especially this season. I think before it was like Son went always in and Kane was. And then when Kane was injured, which he has had a lot of injuries, to be fair, Son took the mantle and he did score a lot of goals and he's, he's a dangerous player, his Son. So I don't understand why England can't, you know, play these players just because they seem to have one player in one position and that player's there unless they're injured. And it seems to me a bit silly, really. I don't know why they can't change it around a little bit and use these players in different ways. Yeah, definitely. We've got a two uh, Nation League games coming up. Uh, one on Sunday, I think. Is it a four o'clock kickoff? Did I read no, that? No, five right? o'clock kickoff. Five o'clock kickoff against Belgium, who are rated the top team in the world at the moment. So obviously, they've got some good players, and they are a good team. England will find it hard against Belgium. Then we play Denmark on Wednesday, seven forty-five, and we obviously we, we, we know we, we beat them, but we we drew with them, should I say? But another it'll be another hard game. I think England probably, if this first, I don't know if the first two go through on this Nations League. If they do, they'll probably get through. If not, if the top ones go through, I personally don't see England getting out of the league because I don't think we'll beat Belgium on either game. I think we've, I can't remember last time we did beat them, to be honest. Well, yeah, I mean, that could be the case. We could have a surprise, though, if he plays a bit of the team that played yesterday and you get Grealish in there and he's an horrible player getting in your face. You never know, he might just bring some magic to the game. He might do, yeah, but they seem to play Grealish in the other games. They don't seem to start with him. He comes on as sub against these bigger teams and the harder games. I don't know why. I personally would start with him. I think he's, as you say, a horrible player to play against, and he does make things happen. Yeah, so we'll have to see what the results of them are to see if we can progress in this uh, Nations League. They want this completing quite quick, quickly, I think, don't they? Yeah, I think our last two games are in November. It'll be away against Belgium and I think home against Iceland or something like whoever's in there. I think it's Iceland who's in our league. It is, yeah. yeah. So, you know, they want it finished. It finishes, I think, in November. So I think there's another an international break in the Premiership in November and then I think that's it until I think the World Cup play World Cup play starts next the World Cup qualifiers are the next things after the Nations League yeah that's the good thing about being in League 1 you don't get these international breaks but you do lose some players because we've still got Josh McGuinness going out to uh, his Northern Ireland duties yeah, well, they're in a playoff, aren't they? I don't know who they play, but they're in a... Oh, is it... No, they play Slovakia, I think, in a playoff. I think it's them, I'm not 100% certain, but they got thrown penalties, didn't they, Northern Ireland? Republic of Ireland got knocked out. And I think they played Slovakia in a playoff. Yeah, I'm sure you're right there. Slovakia in a in a playoff, yeah, it's... Uh... Uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm wondering if that'll, you know, fatigue Josh McGuinness or not. To be honest, I'm hoping that he might be able to come back and and come back in for us because I think we missed him. Yeah, I'm certain City missed him last night. I, you know, I don't think Malik Wilkes is a centre forward. I don't mind him playing Malik Wilkes, but I don't think he's a centre forward. I think Josh McGuinness gives you a bit more. Uh, and I just think at the end of the day, you know, hopefully he comes back in and we can sort the team out for next uh, week match against Rochdale. So, shall we play a little bit of Three Lions, seeing as we've been talking about in- in- England? Sounds good to me. That's one of my favourite ones. Let's play that one for Dylan Skinner and Three Lions on Westall FM 106.9. We're not creative enough, we're not positive enough. It's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming, football's coming home. We'll go on getting back, so I'm getting back, so I'm getting back, so I'm getting back.
know the score They've seen it all before They just know they're so sure That England's gonna throw it away Gonna blow it away But I know they can play Cause I remember three lines on the shows Jules remain still gleaming was Bedeal and Skinner with Three Lions on 106.9 Westall FM. You're listening to Tiger Pop with me, Paul Wright. And me, Aidy Wright. And today we're going to just remind you of a competition that we've got going. We've got a mug sat here that nobody even entered last... Well, we had one entry last week and one minute out, wasn't it? There were, yeah. They said 11 minutes, it was actually 10. I know we were a bit harsh, but hey-ho, that's the way it is. And the mug isn't me or Adrian, actually. It is an actual mug. Yeah, it's a whole city mug uh, that we're giving away. We're going to add some prizes to the pot. I'll add another prize in before next week's show. So there'll be two things to give away if you guess the time of the first goal. We'll be featuring that competition a little bit more next week. We'll talk about it a little bit more next week. But all you've got to do is tell us what time you think the first goal is going to be scored in the game next week between Hull City and... Rochdale. Yeah, so we're going to talk about what now, Dad? Well, it's all our yesterdays again, and we're going to pick two players that we think, well, we obviously admire who've played for Hull City, 
I've picked Ken Wagstaff, and my son's Adrian's picked... Yeah, I've picked Dean Windus. Do you want to talk about yours first, Dad? You can do. I've probably picked Wagstaff because he was there when I was a young lad. I still think he's the best player that's played for Hull City. And I must I must think that him and Chris Chilton must have been a nightmare to play, play against because between them they scored over 400 goals for Hull City. And it's it's not, you know, when you think of all the double acts like Keegan and Toshak, I think obviously Wagstaff and Chilton must be up there. I can't imagine many double acts scored more than 400 goals. And Wagstaff scored 181 of them. Uh, and it it signed for us, but it signed for us from Mansfield. And it was actually Rich Carter, who played for Hull City when my dad was a, a lad, I believe, who was considered one of the best English players at the time. He actually gave Ken Wagstaff his start at Mansfield. And he came to Hull City uh, for £40,000, would you believe? £40,000 £40, in 1964. And it, it, to me, he should have been in the... Well, it was the old first division then. It wasn't the premiership as it is now. He should have been in the first division. City probably should have been in the first division. Because they, they scored loads of goals. I think they scored over 100 goals in one season. And as I say, him and Chilton as a double act must have been a nightmare to play against. So he just turned out to be my favourite player. I always liked him. There was a chant on the south stand, waggy, 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 oi, oi, oi. And it, it just, you just got, you know, he just took to him. I don't know why he didn't get into the Division 1. He just, I thought he was a class act in, in the, the league that he was then. And, you know, he's always been my favourite player. But now I'll hand you over to Adrian. He'll give you some idea why Gene Windus is his favourite player. Yeah, I liked Waggy as well. I've seen Waggy uh, do a few talks on Hull City. I think he uh, he still lives in the area and, you know, he uh, is a big City fan still. And, uh, yeah, I really, you know, from... I obviously didn't watch him, but, I, you know, from seeing the goals that he scored and things like that and his partnership, absolutely brilliant, to be quite honest with you. So I, uh, I can quite understand why you picked Waggy as your favourite, Dad. I'm going to say about Dean Windus now. Yeah, Dean Windus, my favourite. Uh, he went to the same school as me, did Dean Windus. He's a little bit older than me. Sorry, Dino, but you are. Uh, and uh, I remember going round to my friend's house when I was younger uh, on Gypsyville. He was a Gypsyville lad. I was uh, brought up on Gypsyville as well. And uh, he did 300 taps round the coffee table with a football. And he was just tapping this football round the coffee table, 300 without it uh, dropping to the floor. Ever since then, I thought it was amazing at the time, because I think I was about 11 or 12, and to see somebody do that round a coffee table in somebody's front room on Gypsyville, absolutely amazing. But uh, Dino's had a great career. Uh, it says that he's made 634 appearances and scored 198 goals. Scored a lot of goals for Hull City as well. Uh, if we're looking down there, I forget how many it is now. Let me work it out again. It's 60. Uh, it was about 77. 77 goals for for Hull City, uh, which is really good. You know, it's a good turnout for Hull City. And, you know, he scored the best goal well, yeah, best goal that I've seen, really. I mean, just because it was at Wembley in 2008 and he took us up to the Premier League for the first time in both of our uh, supporting histories. Yeah, yeah, it was a brilliant goal. It was well made up, made by Fraser Campbell, but it was a brilliant volley. And obviously, Dean Windus is a good local player. He's, he's been a good servant to Hull City over the time. And, you know, he is, obviously, I rate him very highly. I just obviously rate Ken Wagstaff a little bit higher. 
But, you know, they have two icons, I think, in Hull City terms. There's a few others, obviously, but as we only picked one each, I think what we might do another week when we'll have one of these international breaks is pick our favourite all-time 11 of Hull City, which will probably be no mean feat, to be honest, because there's been some good players over the time. There has been some really good players over the time. I mean, Dino came to Hull City on a, as a, as a uh, YTS and then he got released, and he didn't come back until Terry Dolan had seen him playing for North Ferriby, and uh, it got back into the City team because Terry Dolan gave him a start, and he ended up uh, paying the tax man off for us when he went to Aberdeen, and we I think we got six hundred thousand or something like that, and and then then uh, it, you know and then it, you know he saved us in that way, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, well, he's, we've had some money for him over the time. He's, he's had some big sales for him of him bad over the time. You know, so obviously he was a well-rated player, you know, and I think he, he was one of them players that probably a bit like Jack Grealish, a bit horrible to play against, to be honest. He's, he's got an eye for goal and he knows how to win free kicks and, you know, he, he's a, a nuisance, I would put him as. Yeah, there's a picture of him on here on his Wikipedia of him stood on that uh, ledge at Old City Hall. I'm still frightened to the day of him standing on that ledge. I, just, I thought that there was that many fans there, though. If he did fall, he'd probably get caught, to be honest. Yeah, I'm sure somebody would have caught him, yeah. He's obviously been an icon of Hull City. There's no danger about that. And I can see why you picked him, you know. There's no, there's not many you'd pick above Dean Winder, so maybe Ken Wagstaff, to be honest. No, definitely not. And Dino's doing some really good work at the moment on Twitter. He's doing a lot of work uh, for mental health and putting a lot of videos up there to try and help people who are struggling with the mental health. And you've got to give him kudos for that because, you know, he's, he's put himself, you know, he's bared himself out there to everybody and showed them that he struggled with his mental health and he's trying to help other people by doing that. Yeah, you want the thought that he always seemed a bit cocky and a bit Jack the Laddish, but obviously you don't know what goes on in people's heads. So it is, it is good kudos to him that he's putting forward himself and this mental health thing he's doing. Yeah, and this is on Mental Health Awareness Day here uh, on Saturday the 10th of October. It is Mental Health Awareness Day, so it's good to mention that and keep doing the good work for that, Dino, because I know from re looking at your videos, reading the tweets that you get back, it's helping a lot of people through who are struggling a bit. Yeah, and in these strange times when people are struggling to get out and struggling with things generally, it is it is a good thing to be pushing this mental health and keeping me aware of it and that people are always what the same. Because as I say to me, Dean Windus all seems to be cocky and cocksure of himself, but obviously he's had his problems like everybody has. And it puts it, to put it out there in, in the sort of community is very good and very, you know, very good for him. And hopefully he'll get the support that he deserves. Yeah, definitely so. I, th I think his, his uh, wife-to-be is helping him out really well and, you know, he seems to be quite a changed person at the moment and I think, you know, doing these videos is probably helping him as well, which is a really, really good thing. Do you think we should play a little bit of Bon Jovi now? Good idea, I like Bon Jovi. What about You Give Love a Bad Name? Yep, sounds good to me. That's what we'll play now then.
You're on Westall FM 106.9 on Tiger Pop with me, Eddie Wright. And me, Paul Wright. So I see the accounts have been released this week. They've released them quite early of Hull City, haven't they? Yeah, and there seems to be a, a, a decent spin on it, even though we're still about 42 million owing. But I think some of them, that'll come, should come off, because I think we've still got a fair bit off the Jared Bowen transfer to come out. I, I seem to think it was about 16 million. I might be wrong, but it's, I think it was somewhere in that region. Yeah, 16 million ish uh, that was still owed. Uh, well, it says here that it might be 11 million in, st- in players still owed to the club. That'd still knock what we owe down because it's saying at 42 million is what we owe the Alams at the moment. I suppose if they got 11 million in an hour, we can sort of support ourselves, then that'd knock it down to 31 million that we owe for, for the Alams. Yeah, which obviously is still a lot of money, and uh, I don't know how we're going to manage to pay all that off. I think we're paying, is it £33,000 a month or a week? Uh, £33,000 a week uh, in loan fees, which is the uh, interest on the loans uh, to the Allen family for lending us the money. Yeah, which is a hell of a lot of money. I don't, I don't see that it's a brilliant situation for the club to be in, but reading what I've read on it, it seems as though people seem to think it is that we're one of the you know, better run clubs, which, you know, 42 million owing somebody, I don't think necessarily what I would call the better run club, but there you go. No, I suppose the thing with it is as well now, it's knowing what players we've got in the club that could uh, actually make us some money at the moment. I don't think there's that much there uh, in, the, in the case that I don't think we've got anybody who's shining at the moment to say we could get similar money to what Bowen brought us. No, I think they've got to hope that somebody like Keane Lewis Potter ends up like a Boeing type player, but obviously at the moment he isn't quite there. Maybe in a season or two he may be, and that that's got to be the hope that you know next two seasons we survive well and then come up with a big money set of seller. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, you know in the meantime they need some fans back in the ground, don't they? Well, it's obviously affecting every club. I mean, not just Hull City, every club in in every sport, just about rugby union, rugby league, cricket. It's got to have a detrimental effect that there's no fans there. Obviously, all the clubs are asking for money, you know, off the government. I think at the moment there is a, a, a feeling that the Premiership might put some money down into the lower leagues to keep them help float afloat because they're saying there's a lot of players come from the lower leagues getting the Premiership, so they're trying to keep them afloat, but... It's a, a bad time at the moment, and obviously Old City are no different to any other club. They need money in, coming through the same styles, like everything else, or other, other drinks or food and things like this, programme sales, and they're just not getting it. So it's obviously a bad time for everybody, so you just got to get through it and hope for the, the best will we'll survive. Yeah, I think it's a difficult one, this getting... We was talking about it last night, actually, in the pub again. Uh, we was talking about the uh, situation with uh, getting fans back into the ground. And I think it's a difficult one because it's all right. We've got a big enough ground to have fans in in, in, uh, in the KCOM Stadium. The big problem is is that you've got to get people into the ground, you've got to get people out of the ground, and you've got to have facilities for them to use should they need to use the toilet enough for people to be able to social distance and things like that. And I think that's where the problems come in. Yeah, it probably is. The social distancing ain't going to be easy. I think wearing a mask obviously does help. And I think if you could wear a mask, you know, that would help some of the problems and help solve some of the problems because you're not, you know, breathing of anybody else. You know, if you sneeze or anything, that's it's going into your mask. I think that does help, but obviously it is a logistical problem, and obviously Hull City, like other clubs, have got to come up with the answers. 
Yeah, they certainly have got to come up with the answers. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether they will or they won't. I went into where uh, I went into Morrison's the other day, and it said on the door only two people allowed in these toilets due to social distancing rules. So you can um, you can see where that creates a problem for fans going back into grounds. Yeah, well, it is obviously toilets are you know well used at the football grounds, and obviously you know if you get it, which they are obviously rammed with people a lot of times, there's be no social distancing, so there's going to have to be a, a so many in and so many out type of turnstile type of thing going on. So I don't know how that would work, but the quicker we can get back to grounds, the better. I think myself, it's going to be in the new year before they'll allow people into grounds, but hopefully I'm wrong. It might be earlier. Yeah, that could be the case. I mean, I was working out last night. They've got five areas of stands in the KCOM that they could put people in. If they're talking that they've got about 6,000 people to get in there, it's uh, about 1,200 in each area, which in a massive amount of people, I don't suppose... Uh, but I don't even know if the club would make money at that, to be quite honest with you, because the amount of stewarding and you know things like that they're going to have to have in place, it's going to be really hard to make any money at that. I think where they have allowed crowds in, they've only allowed them in one stand. So I think I think that's to keep the cost of the stewards down. So obviously it's maybe limited. I think they limited it to a thousand once it were maybe under a thousand. To yeah. be honest, at these grounds. So I think that's what probably the problem. It's the cost of the stewards, and they won't want you to come back and make a loss and have to pay out money that obviously they are taking so I suppose it's the balancing act between the two getting the numbers right and getting the stewarding right Hull City have done another uh, deal for people who have decided to cancel the membership I've seen this week and the deal is that basically if you want to support the club uh, and keep your seat for when football does come back they'll do it for £15 a month but you won't get the vouchers I mean I've not cancelled mine so I'll still get the vouchers uh, I know you've not cancelled yours so you'll get the vouchers but for anybody who has cancelled if you do want to support the club and to try and keep some of these backroom people you know your people in your ticket office your people who you know just work behind the scenes at Hull City who are low paid people it could help to keep their job yeah well I think you know if you can support Hull City and support the Tigers I mean They've had a bad time of it recently with obviously the COVID incident and obviously going down. But, you know, it's the, it's our local club is Hull City and I think you should give them, if you can afford it, give them the support. Yeah, definitely, because we don't want them to go down. We want to see them here. I want to be, keep supporting Hull City and keep going. And uh, we want to keep enjoying ourselves apart from last night's game. Yeah, well, last night you don't want it to happen again. But hopefully next week will be a different result and Hull City will, you know, fighting to get in the top six this season so we're playing Rochdale next week we'll preview that on Saturday on Tiger Pop from one o'clock next Saturday and if you want to come on and have a chat with us I'll put some details on Twitter of how you can do that good idea and don't forget to join us next week next week from one o'clock thanks very much for joining us today I've been Eddie Wright and I've been Paul Wright and you've been listening to Tiger Pop on Westall FM 106.9